You're listening to Mornings with Kelly and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life. How should the gospel of Jesus change my life? And and I think a lot of us think we know the whole of that, and, and I hope that you know how the gospel should be changing your life, but... We're going to revisit that and stay with us because Nancy is here right now. And Nancy, I know this might sound crazy, but when, um, I don't know, maybe I had been a Christian for five or six years at this point, and I'm glad that there are different translations of the Bible that are Mm -hmm. available to us. I'm glad uh, to have my Moody Bible commentary because I think it's one of the very best ones out there. But before all of that, I would, if there was something I struggled to understand in my Bible, I would go and open a children's Bible that was very plainly worded. Ooh. I needed basic mm-hmm. language, and it helped me. That's why I think it's so important to just go back to the basics and revisit things, <clears throat> because we have our own ideas about stuff. So how should the gospel of Jesus change my life? Yes, and, g- and good morning to you on this beautiful day. Um, I think the basics, though, when we talk about the basics of our faith. The reason why it anchors away and those that study worldview and preach it and teach it is that it it is so profoundly simple to to believe, you know, the idea of believing and then becoming a Christian uh, is very profound and, and at times very complex because it involves much more than the law, much more than the do's and don'ts, to be honest with you. And I'm so glad you're going to be talking about that later. But it's not about our behavior. It's about what we do with the cross. And I think for me in studying this, uh, this came about by some kids saying that they had become Christians. They finally understood uh, during a church event that their faith really was not based on what their parents thought, but rather on what they did with it. And uh, again, I think we hear this, and you talked about, you know, that Christ came to fulfill the law in an earlier segment. Uh, so, but the end of that is to be conformed to his image. That's where the gospel is headed not in our behavior. And that's why I want to talk uh, uh, to you about it this morning. Uh, Again, just going back to the basics, Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, over and over and over again, this is the gospel. You're saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. And this is is what he is saying here in, in 1 Corinthians 15. You have believe, uh, uh, You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for his sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, he was raised on the third day, uh, according to the scriptures. And this event was witnessed by hundreds of people living during that time. It is not a feel-good story. And just... It isn't. And for when people say, well, that's just a story, that's just your opinion. It is history. It is recorded in history. It's a fact that's been proven more than any fact in human history. It happened. And it's interesting that in the, 
with the fallout of this, the beautiful fallout of the gospel is found in Apostle Paul in his life, who wrote most of the New Testament. He was a Jew who hated Christians, had many executed. And when we realize the love that God had for a man like Paul, we have to realize that he rescued Paul. He's also out to rescue every single human he ever created because it's by his grace he became a Christian by believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it utterly changed his life. And Kelly and Steve, I mean, this is the thing. The statistics stayed the same. Only 6%, that's a 6% of Christians are living out their faith. And to be honest with you, and I, and I know tons of people that do this kind of research, uh, because people don't really get it. It's not that... that uh, they don't believe it. They don't get it because they their lives don't change as a result of it. And we see that Paul's life changed dramatically. This is what he said in Galatians 2, 20, 21. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer, uh, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if the righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. In other words, what he's saying here is, because I believe the Holy Spirit lives in me and teaches me and shows me then how I live out my life through the lens of Jesus and not through performance. That's the heartbeat of, of this issue. And I, I just hope people get it. It makes life a whole lot easier. Well, I think certainly that uh, some of us do, but also some of us miss the very fact that, right. you know, the gospel is the cornerstone of Christ's church, and this is his bride. Tell us what that means for us. Yeah, and, and it, it is. It's not like God says, well, choose whatever religion you want. Uh, no, uh, Christianity would be nothing more than a lying heap of rubble without without the death and resurrection piece in here. And it would be no different than any other false religion. The good news is that it happened. Again, it's history that Jesus willingly died. And it's not like he fell asleep and died. It was a gruesome death on the cross for all humanity. And it changed the world forever. It gave us opportunities for changed life. And I, to me, especially coming in from a total atheistic per perspective, uh, to imagine that the creator of the universe came to, to earth to rescue the lost, to rescue them from the penalty of their sins and restore that relationship uh, with humanity. He came to rescue. He mm -hmm. is a rescuer. And the amazing part about it is that he knew that we were hopeless. And instead of letting us flounder around here trying to follow the law, he said, enough of this. I'm coming down and I'm going to save you so that you too may join with me to rescue all of broken humanity. I mean, that is essentially it. We are called to join him in the rescue, and we can't join him if we're not conformed to him through the through the word, through through the spirit of God. Uh, Matthew twenty eight nineteen, and at the end of his ministry, 
Jesus stood on a hillside in Galilee and gave his disciples the final command. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. And how on earth does that work? We're probably asking ourselves. But that is our call. It's not to dance around and fill ourselves with self-righteousness. It's to go and to be. You know, Nancy, I talked to a pastor's wife years ago when I lived in South Bend, and she, oh my goodness, she had no idea that uh, she would be seeing Jesus face-to-face within the next two years from this, but she had said to me Mm. that she had had a recent conviction in in her spirit that she just had not done enough in regard to making disciples and sharing the gospel. She had a great Bible teacher, very knowledgeable in the Word, very, very loving. You would have adored her, but... It just made me think, she she just talked about the regret that she had, and you talk about making mm-hmm. disciples, and that was not merely a suggestion by Jesus, but it seems that if you, you look at the whole of the church, sometimes we do treat it like a suggestion, and that is not what he intended at all. No, it had nothing to do with that, and, and just to divert for a second from this, you know, um, uh, when when a Jew back in those days, uh, wanted to become a rabbi, he would go to the rabbi. And if the rabbi said, follow me, then he could, then he could study under that rabbi. If he didn't tell him that, then he couldn't. And it's very interesting because follow me, if you do your, go ahead and, and look that word up. But, but what that may, means is to become like me. And when Jesus said, follow me, to become my disciples, it was to become like me. And that's this, just such a beautiful piece of this because we are called to disciple uh, not necessarily to have somebody repeat a prayer they don't understand or memorize scripture they don't understand, but to, you know, but to really engage with Christ through the Holy Spirit so that then through Christ we can spend time teaching and encouraging and befriending those whom God puts on our earthly journey. You know, there are 85 million people in the United States today who identify as atheists and agnostics. They're all over the place. And God has called us to help rescue. We are to be the hands and feet. We are to go. We are to be his ears to listen, his mouth to speak the truth. And again, uh, the Holy Spirit calls the shots, not us. And God gave us the charge to go and teach what he taught, to be witnesses of his life, to preach repentance and forgiveness of sin, to feed the sheep and to baptize the believers. And we are not to do this in our own flesh. We're to do this by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And to be honest with you, our greatest gift we could give people is the way we live and the way we love. Uh, First Peter said this, um, 3.15, but in your hearts, there it is, Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you the reason for the hope that you have. And do it with gentleness and respect. Hmm. This is what discipling is. It's learning to, not only learning the, the word, 
but also going out and teaching people in their language, walking with them, talking with them, and watch God begin to work in them. Now we've come to the point where you say that until we wrestle with and come to grips with the offensiveness of the cross, we can't understand what happened on the cross. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, God is always humble and righteous, and he loved those whom he created to the point of leaving heaven and coming to earth, you know. And uh, he had no sin, but I, I think we need to understand, if we understood more the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, and to think that he came to earth born sinless and grew to walk with men and women and to teach them how to live, how to love, you know, what he was about to do. And you think of the God of the universe had very few followers, and even those, if you know, but for a few, abandoned him the night he was killed. He was hated by many of those who came to save, but he continued on. And boy, if that isn't a lesson for us in the, in the end. He taught that he was the awaited Messiah, and it angered the Jews. And, you know, have you ever watched that? Do you remember watching The Passion of the Christ years and years ago? Oh, and years yeah. Ago? yeah. I, I think we all do, because we have that picture in our mind when the Romans were whipping Jesus with those lead balls uh, that bruised him, and then the, the whips with those steel claws in them that ripped the skin off. And, and by the time they stopped, he, Jesus Christ was unrecognizable. In the, as gruesome and as bloody as that scene was, it, it still didn't depict what actually happened to him. He was unrecognizable. Yeah. There was enough blood left in him just so he could try to carry the cross, which he needed some help with. <clears throat> the point being, then he was nailed to the cross and hung there to suffer and to die. That's how... God was, and I know Max Lucado wrote, you know, and, and God hung on a cross. It's true. He did. But he did this because he loves us. He loves humanity, as broken as, as we are. What Christ did for us takes us to a new level of commitment to him that we could never attain on our own effort. He didn't go through all this uh, without a, a multitude of purposes. It's a picture of how our life's going to look, too, to conform to his image, to be willing to be rejected, to be willing to go against what the flesh says we want to do. Yeah. And just to go deeper where all of a sudden, you know, whether people don't like us or not for our faith, you know, we proceed, we love them, and we continue to go. Uh, when I see Christ, nothing could have stopped him from going to the cross. And then in Matthew sixteen twenty four, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Here you go. There's that follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? This is the heart of the gospel. This is it right here. 
that we are to be conformed to the image of God. And if we're out here and we're living our lives supposedly as Christians and trying to avoid any confrontation or anything else, we're just going to stay in our bubble. We are being woefully disobedient to what God has called us to do. It isn't easy, but it causes us to get into the scripture, to know the word, and to be, be prepared to go through some persecution. And, you know, uh, we don't have to go overseas anymore to see Christians persecuted. Yeah. It's happening all over the place. But we have such a huge job to do, to be Jesus, you know, because of what he went through. It should deeply change our lives. It is not something simple and superficial like you should be kinder to people, you know, and uh, that's it. Well, I think, Nancy, a lot of us get this confused with the very fact that what was done on the cross, right, that becoming unrecognizable, what he suffered, is a gift of grace, but we hang on to this part of our old self that says, I'm not good enough, therefore I need to try to do things, right? Um, then we go to this works mentality. So does just trying to be a good person actually count for anything? Well, if it, it depends on how many churches are teaching this. Just be kind. You know, it's not about what we do. It is simply not about what we do on our, in our own flesh, you know, how nice we are or we try to be until somebody's not nice to that us and then our personality changes a bit or how caring we are. And then we grumble about that. You know, uh, it is about understanding what Christ did for us on the cross. And when we truly believe uh, in, in this in a deeper level where we should be Christians, if we've been a Christian, it is no longer we no longer live for ourselves. But how? But now for Christ, our Savior, who gave us a new life in him. And when we trust Christ daily, we are free from the pressure to become somebody that we are not. Mm-hmm. And we don't shake our fist at God anymore because we're living for him, not for ourselves, that we don't have a bigger house or a bigger car or whatever. And, and somebody who's not a believer has a bigger car or whatever, and we're shake. Why can't I be like that person? God has called us to be who we are for such a time as this. We can do amazing ministry we're in our own circle of friends or where God has us. Today, we can make a difference. And it's just so important. But when we live now for Christ our Savior, for, for him, we are thankful for a new life. But our life must change. It will conform us to be a different person. And that's the thing. But there's so much pressure, especially in churches, don't you agree, to become somebody that we're, you know, that we're not. And, and what Christ is saying here is that we don't have to appease him, you know, a, a God, because we're forgiven uh, uh, and the guilt is, is gone. We don't have to, in, in works, appease him. We believe our life has changed. And, and the guilt is gone to free us up to become much more like Christ. Yeah. And that's 
that's the heartbeat of, of, of this all, is that we are different because of what Christ did, not because of, of what we do. Yeah. And when we really understand the reality of the sufficiency of God's work, that he did it all, it was finished on the cross, and we die to our pride, we die to the schemes of self salvation by making us look good in the church for the, you know, whatever. But we must stop attempting to save ourselves and others in our own strength and instead trust Jesus's way to be sufficient. You know, it's in grace and love. He paid the price for our sin and has equipped us to go into the world and disciple to those who will listen. And I think First Peter 20, 24, or 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. And because when we really get this, we can just throw all the, the work stuff that is put on us by whomever and just be that irregular person, you know, who loves others well, who others feel comfortable in talking to about about their lives and whatever. Nobody wants to to pour out or listen to somebody who's so prideful in their faith, who think they're better than other people. You know, they they clearly don't get it. So let's be those people who know how weak we are, how much we need a savior. And do what God's called us to do, even if it requires, uh, you know, people getting mad or turning away or losing friends. Uh, we aren't in a friend contest here. We are called to help God <laughs> rescue humanity. You know what I mean? Well, and this is why it's good to get back to the basics, because I think you covered yeah. ground for everybody from the beginner to the seasoned Christian and all of this, Nancy. That's our biblical worldview question of the week. How should the gospel of Jesus change my life now you can take what you learned today and go share that with somebody else nancy thank you so much you know we love you and uh, want to connect all of you with nancy's ministry anchors away you can get there at anchorsaway.org or just click on the resources tab at uh, mornings with kelly and steve you're listening to mornings with kelly and steve on moody radio from the word to life